Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the School Safety 101 podcast. My name is Steve Webb, and I am your host. This podcast is sponsored in part by Safe School Systems, providing school safety strategies to better protect our future. And the Safe School Helpline, helping parents and students break the silence to prevent an event. Within this podcast, we discuss 21st century school safety issues and best practices to help keep our kids safe while they attend school. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the School Safety 101 podcast. My name is Steve Webb, and I am your host. This podcast is sponsored in part by Safe School Systems, providing school safety strategies to better protect our future, and the Safe School Helpline, helping parents and students to break the silence to prevent an event. Within this podcast, we discuss 21st century school safety issues and best practices to help keep our kids safe while they attend school. We took a a bit of a hiatus during the uh, COVID-19 outbreak. But uh, now that schools are returning to in-person learning all across this nation, it's time to get back to work saving lives. Since the last podcast, a lot lot has happened that uh, while the pandemic and the virus itself was extremely dangerous, mainly to adults, uh, the aftermath of this isolation the child abuse, the cyberbullying, the cyberstalking, the, the major uptick in mental health issues for our children caused largely by the world's efforts in fighting this virus will rear its head this spring. And we need to be ready in our schools. My book, uh, we talked about that in the last podcast, my book, Education in a Violent World, A Practical Guide to Keeping Our Kids Safe, uh, it, it was a bestseller on Amazon for 52 weeks, and I'm very proud of that. It was a top new release in, in several categories, and uh, still a lot, a lot is going on related to the book, um, as well as including interviews that I have done with numerous radio stations and podcasts, as well as TV interviews like uh, ABC 27 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, CBS Channel 2 out of New York, NBC Channel 8 out of Tampa, WGN out of Chicago, TV7 out of Phoenix, Arizona, and and probably the most exciting endeavor I've got going right now is I was invited to be interviewed for a documentary called Killer in Your Pocket regarding the disastrous effects that technology has on our children. I don't don't have a release date yet for this documentary, but uh, I will certainly let everyone know when it comes out. Now to our issues at hand. Kids are starting to head back to school from their remote learning environment. Many schools across the nation have been teaching kids at home in isolation without external distraction in a, in a very sterile environment and now our kids are going to be thrust back into their schools with a mask over their face. And we are supposed to believe that it will not affect their mental stability. We're supposed to believe that they will be able to cope with the strange surroundings 
the odd daily routines associated with wellness, and teachers teaching them through a mask. We are supposed to believe that the months of online cyber attacks that they have encountered, the countless TikToks that they've produced or witnessed, the constant striving to maintain some sort of social niche will not affect their social, emotional well-being. Folks, this is the fact of the matter. Quit worrying about test scores and math grades and science grades. Start worrying about how we can connect with these children when they walk through our door. If you are not alarmed enough, let me read you some information from a, a recent story from the New York Times. It is extremely, extremely disturbing. And folks, I'll just tell you right now, it's an eye-opener. The name of the article is Surge of Student Suicides Pushes Las Vegas Schools to Reopen by Erica Green. I'm going to read you some of this, some of this article. She writes, the reminders of pandemic-driven suffering among students in Clark County, Nevada, have come in droves. Since schools shut their doors in March, an early warning system that monitors students' mental health episodes has sent more than 3,100 alerts to district officials, raising alarms about suicidal thoughts, possible self-harm, or cries for care. By December, 18 students had taken their own lives. When we started to see the uptick in children taking their lives, we knew it wasn't just the COVID numbers we needed to, to look at anymore. Said Jesus Yara, Clark County Superintendent, we have to find a way to put our hands on our kids, to see them, to look at them. They've got to start seeing some movement, some hope. The article also has, uh, uh, has parts of it where it talks about adolescent suicide. They say adolescent suicide during the pandemic cannot conclusively conclusively be linked to school closures. National data on suicides in 2020 have yet to be compiled. A study from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention showed an increase in the percentage of youth emergency room visits for mental health reasons during the pandemic. Research suggests an estimated 67% increase. 67%. And this is during a time where people were told to stay away from hospitals. And there was still a what, what they report is a 67% increase in mental health visits. The article says that even in normal circumstances, suicides are impulsive, unpredictable, and difficult to, to ascribe to specific causes. The pandemic has created conditions unlike anything mental health professionals have seen before, making causation more difficult to determine. Folks, unlike anything mental health professionals have seen before, in Clark County, 18 suicides over nine months of closure is double the nine the district had the entire previous year. One student left a note saying he was, had nothing to look forward to, and the, the youngest student to take their own life uh, was nine, nine years old. The article says mental health groups and researchers released reports and resources to help schools, which provide counseling and other intervention services. Mental health advocacy groups warn that the student demographics at the most risk for mental health declines before the pandemic, such as black and LGBTQ students, were among those most marginalized by the school closures. It adds that a video that Brad Hunstable made in April, two days after he buried his 12-year-old son Hayden in their hometown, Alito, Texas, 
It went viral after he proclaimed, my son died from the coronavirus. But, he added, not in the way you think. In a recent interview, Hunstable spoke of the challenges his son faced during the lockdown. He missed friends and football and had become consumed by the video game Fortnite. He hanged himself four days before his 13th birthday. It reads, this fall, when most school districts decided not to reopen, more parents began to speak out. The parents of a 14-year-old boy in Maryland who killed himself in October described how their son gave up after his district decided not to return in the fall. In December, an 11-year-old boy in Sacramento shot himself during a Zoom class. Weeks later, the father of a teenager in Maine attributed his son's suicide to the isolation of the pandemic. They said, we knew he was upset because he was no longer able to participate in his school activities. Football. Jay Smith told a local television station, we never guessed it was that bad. The article goes on to say that heading into the pandemic, youth suicide rates had been on the rise for a decade. A decade, folks. Suicide had become the second leading cause of death for youth and young adults behind accidents. And the most recent behavioral risk survey, which was released last year by the CDC and tracks health trends of all high school students, showed a steady rise over the last decade in the percentage of students who said they felt persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, as well as in those who planned and tried suicide. Sadness and hopelessness. Folks, it's time to stay, take a stand. Goes on, an Adrian mother of a 14-year-old high school freshman had just finished a 12-hour shift when she received a call from her son's principal alerting her that her son had expressed suicidal thoughts. He felt disconnected, his mother said. He felt left behind. His father had lost his small business. Two family members had died, one to the coronavirus. His mother was working 70 hours a week. Even when she was at home, she was not entirely present as she tended to work and home life. He felt like he had no control over his world anymore and felt like a burden. Folks, these kids are struggling. They're struggling and they're very good at telling us that nothing is wrong. Colleen Neely, a counselor at Shadow Ridge High School, recalled how a young man she had advised since ninth grade used to stand outside her office every day after fourth period. He had overcome so much by the 1920 school year in his determination to graduate. When he was a junior, he was homeless, and the school connected him to a shelter. For a week, he lived in a park near the school, and staff gave him food and other resources. His schedule was shortened so he could work at McDonald's. In the spring of 2020, Neely sent the young man an email telling him how proud she was of him, that he was so close to getting what he wanted. Two weeks before graduation, she got the call that he had shot himself. She writes, Part of me will always wonder if he had had access to his teachers and his peers and me, if it would have changed the outcome. I will never know. These suicides, they don't impact one person one family. They impact me to this day. Folks, they impact us all. There is no reason why this should not be at the top of the list of all major news outlets in America. 
just so we're all clear here, America is very good at playing partisan politics, at turning a blind eye towards kids' issues as if it was just a rite of passage of being a kid, and they're very good at the blame game. We're blaming parents for it. We're blaming schools for it, blaming politicians, blaming each other. This has got to stop and stop now. Schools are so important for kids' mental health, and still yet, they are not given the resources they need to deal with the baggage 21st century children experience and then bring into our hallways. Folks, it is up to us, the people who are working every day to protect our kids from violence, from a sterile world where society believes that kids should conform to our insatiable need to test someone. And, it, and if they don't go to college, then they are somehow, what, inferior to the community? This is what I call the common core effect, that if kids don't go to college, then there's some, somehow some sort of failure. That's got to stop. Nothing is more damaging to a child than telling them they are inferior to others. So, folks, I need your help. Contact your state education agencies, the U.S. Department of Education, anyone else who will listen, and tell them that the only way to save our children is to quit testing them on all of these core subjects and help them to connect utilizing vocational training, utilizing the arts, utilizing extracurricular activities. Not every child wants to go to college, but every child wants to be treated fairly and be loved and be cared for. Then, and only then, will we stop the violence in our schools once and for all. Folks, we are out of time for, the, for today's podcast, so thank you so much for tuning in to the School Safety 101 podcast. I hope you gained some insight and motivation. My name is Steve Webb, and you can reach me at www.drstevewebb.com. That's www.drstevewebb.com. Contact me with your comments or suggestions or any ideas that can help keep our kids safe as we are all in this together for a better tomorrow.